listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about how to find your find books like your favorite shows and movies, and we're doing an interview with author Todd A. Thompson. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I am reading, um, I just started a book by Joe Harkin, who's an author I like. It's sort of a, is a, it's a Our World But Different book, sci-fi book, um, called Tell Me an Ending. Um, has to do with memory removal. I just saw someone who classified this as near-future sci-fi, and I kept thinking, is that in the near future? I just can't imagine it is. Anyway, <laughs> it's about a world in which um, you can have bad memories removed if you don't want them. Um, sort of a eternal mind or a vanilla sky situation. Uh, was that the plot of vanilla sky? I can't remember. I've never saw vanilla sky. Oh, wow. Um, so, but then at the beginning of this book, the corporation who does this gets sued because there are like traces possibly left in people's minds of these memories. And they are like, oh yeah, we couldn't remove the whole memory. And so they they have to reveal to people. There's two different types of people who had memories re- removed. There's people who know they had them removed and they have, and they, they're aware that they had things removed. And then there are the people who got them removed and they don't want to be aware. The people who didn't want to be aware, they had no idea when they had memories removed because of this court case, they're told, they get an email that says, you had a memory removed. Let us know if you want it to be restored because now they have to restore things. Ooh, they oh my God, to- that would drive me nuts. Well, it does. It drives people wild. Um, it is, and so it, it's um, something Glasser's like, it's a multiple storyline, uh, multiple protagonists. There's like four or five different storylines. One's like a person who works in the clinic. Um, one is a person who has been traveling around and he doesn't know what happened to him, but he knows he has like an endless amount of money, but he doesn't know why. One person is a grad school dropout and she knows something happened to her, but she doesn't know what. Yeah, so it's all these different people and their stories about what is happening. Some of them are intertwined so far. I assume they're all going to be intertwined by the end, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty great. It's about memory and it's about, yeah, what would you... It. I've asked myself so many times if I would go get this done. If I fa- if I didn't know, so I did it and didn't want myself to know. And then I found out, like, would I go get the memory uh, brought back out Oh, again? I don't know. Yeah. Because then would it change how, who you were? I think that's the question. If our memories make us who we are. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. What are you reading? I'm reading big buzzy horror book this year. Uh, I just finally got it from the library. It is The Fervor by Almakatsu. Oh, it's her, her new... Uh, Almakatsu is the queen of historical horror, and this one is no different. It's so, so good. It is it takes place in 1944, and uh, the main character, uh, there's a few, there's a, it, there's a bunch of different characters, there's a bunch of different POVs, so if you love a book that uh, is multiple POV, this We're is a great one for you. But POV books. Uh, sort of the main point of view is this woman and her daughter um they are this woman is japanese uh and she is in one of the internment camps that was that were created during world war ii for japanese americans Uh, even though her husband is a white american and actually isn't enlisted in the air force she's still put into this camp with her daughter Mm. um and right away not right away but um 
as she's living there, they all, all the people in her camp start to realize that there's something spooky going on. People are getting, and this is a little content warning for if you're not ready to read like disease books because of the pandemic, because uh, people start getting sick, but they get start getting sick in very strange ways and they get really violent. And everyone basically starts to figure out something weird is going on. Mm. Uh, they start getting these weird shipments from the government and they don't know what's coming into the camp and these weird doctors are there. And just like all this creepy stuff starts to happen with this disease. And then all the different other people POVs are other people who are um, sort of in uh, in other parts of the country encountering um, weird things that are falling from the sky and weird also the weird disease. Like there are certain people who are not connected to the government. There are people who are connected to the government. And so it's a really almost and I say this in the best possible way. It it reads like watching a thriller movie Hmm. um, about uh, like like an X-Files episode or something. It's so good and you're so immediately like you want to know what's happening. You want to know what this disease is and how it's connected to this weird thing that's that people keep seeing falling from the sky and what the government is doing, if it's if it's supernatural, if it's not supernatural. Um, it's fantastic. And obviously she does such great research. And so it just feels just it's just awesome. Um, so that is The Fervor by Almakatsu. And mine is Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Nicole wrote in with a librarian shout out, which we want to encourage. If you have a great yeah, story about that. your local librarian, fucking tell us because yeah. I want to hear it. And so does Bria. That's um, so cute. And so Nicole says, I want to give a quick shout out to my local librarian, Luce. She took time out of her schedule for an informational interview that I needed to conduct for a college class. We discussed things like how she became a librarian, challenges, benefits, projects she's been working on, surprises on the job, and even the craziest request she was ever asked. While I'm not actively looking for a new career, I did mention that I would like to find a job that ties my bachelor's degree in English with the training I've had in the military with data analysis, server building, and aircraft, logbooks, etc. She surprised me by saying, sounds just like what a librarian does, just without the airplanes. Pretty cool. Librarians love are the that. best. Yeah, more librarian shout-outs. I love that. Hallie wrote in uh, to show some love for mass market paperbacks, which we discussed in episode 242. Hallie says, I just listened to episode 242 where you briefly talked about mass market paperbacks and I had to share my thoughts. I love mass market. It's my favorite size. They are cheap, small size, easily portable, all the same size so your shelves look nice or at least they were until someone started publishing mass market paperbacks. They're about one half inch taller than the rest and not too heavy. I read a lot of genre, sci-fi and horror and these often get published in mass market paperback size. I've noticed that in recent years not as many books get published in this format and after listening to the episode that appears to be correct. I can believe it's only 9% and that makes me sad since I love them for so many reasons, which we just saw. Um, Also, even though you noted that they are considered more disposable, I treat mine nice and haven't had issues with multiple rereads. It sounds like I'm not the ideal audience for mass paperbacks in the eyes of a publisher, but I hope they continue to print them and I can keep squeezing more books into my apartment because of this. I think, Hallie, you are the perfect person for mass market paperbacks because well, you're a champion yes. of them. So, Well, yes, but we got a, we got quite a number of upset emails after that episode because people were like, but I love mass markets. And folks, we love them too. We're not making this decision. And it's... We, I mean, I, 
I, I think both of us share all these loves. I mean, mass market paperbacks are awesome for all of these reasons. But because of that, you know, and because of the, the advent of ebooks, there are less people buying them. So they're making less of them. It's And it's totally yeah. a business decision. There are definitely lots of mass market paperback lovers out there. And we're sorry that you're not getting as many. But you don't need to be mad at us because of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We got some people who are really upset. Green Glasses doesn't control the mass market paper that back production, unfortunately. If we did, we would make more of them. I sure. promise you. Uh, mm-hmm. And we share your frustration. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a, a mass market comeback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The revival. Uh, so Nicole wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is witches, magical realism, portal fantasies, haunted houses, alternate timelines, finding your destiny, especially when it involves magic or other supernatural elements, historical fiction, especially when it comes with a side of magic and or feminism, multiple narrators, and small town life. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And quick bookmark, folks. Oh, I'm just still over here plugging my movie, Torn Hearts, a movie I directed for Blumhouse, starring Katie Seagal, uh, Alexis Lemire, Abby Quinn, Joshua Leonard's in it, Shiloh Fernandez is in it. It is about country music singers. It's about horror. It's a thriller. It's a really good time. So if you have time, if you're looking for something to watch this weekend, can I recommend Torn Hearts? Please and thank you. Uh, It would mean a lot to me if you'd watch it and let me know if you do because it's always exciting to hear back from people when you watch it. Folks, let me tell you about my experience watching Torn Hearts. So the night it came out, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to buy this and uh, and start watching it. So make sure that Bria gets that that opening day purchase. And I was like, and I had something to do that night. And I was like, you know what? I'll just watch the first 15 minutes of it. And then I'll get back to my, and I'll get back to it after I do this thing. I'll watch it before I go to bed. And I had to, I had to reschedule my thing. I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> I, I wanted to know what, what was happening so badly. First I was like, Oh, okay. I'll just watch another 10 minutes and I'll watch another 10 minutes. And finally I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just push this thing back Love until it. this Love movie's it. over. Cause I could, I, oh, I needed to finish. It's so good. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. And remember, folks, that's for people who love female friendship stories, Nashville, country music, stories about music, blood, (laughs) (laughs) and spooky houses. Yeah. All the good stuff. Uh, So before we talk about finding books that are like your favorite movies and TV shows, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by your friends over at Tor Books, their amazing imprint, Nightfire, which makes spooky books, the publisher of this new spooky book that you're going to love. It's called Just Like Mother by Anne Hetzel. Bria, you want to tell them what Just Like Mother is? Yeah. It's a spine-chilling and sharp modern gothic from a fresh new voice in horror. Here's the plot. Though Maeve has reconnected with her cousin after years of silence, more and more she feels disconnected from her life back in the city. The cousin's increasing attachment triggers memories Maeve has fought hard to bury, but confronting her childhood terrors may be the only way for Maeve to transcend the nightmare still to come. Ooh, sounds spooky, Mallory. So spooky. We know you love a spooky book. It's available right now uh, wherever books are sold. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. So this is not a pre-order situation. You can get this right now. You know, folks, you know how much we love Tor, our friends over there. All They make so many great books. We love Night and Fire because we love spooky books. And if you love spooky books, it's getting... It's almost, it's almost summer. I almost said it's almost horror. It's almost summer. It's getting hot out there. The best thing to do, chill your spine. Get get uh, get, get your spine chilling. chilled. 
We know you love a spooky book. Again, that's Just Like Mother by Anne Hetzel. Uh, look for it right now. There's a link in the show notes. That's Just Like Mother by Anne Hetzel. Glasses. You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. This week, we all know that feeling. You watch a wicked good movie or a TV show and you think, wow, I want to read a book just like this. How do you find those books? We're here to help and explode your TBR pile. And today's episode was inspired by Nicole, who wrote in, Hi, Mallory and Bria. I love your podcast. It has become what I look forward to listening to on my lunch on Thursdays. My question for you is, how do you find books similar to movies or TV shows you like that are not based on books? Sometimes I find myself so intrigued and interested in a show, wondering how much better the book would be, only to be disappointed that there isn't one. My interweb search has been fruitless. Nicole, we got your back. Mm. Bria, how do you do this? Uh, okay. Um, well, first, you got to think about the show, right? Um, what is the thing that's drawing you to the show? You got to know your wheelhouse for the show, the thing that is checking off, right? Mm-hmm. Is it what it's about? Is it the characters? Is it the tropes, the genre, the tone, the way they talk, their little accents? What is <laughs> bringing you to this? This Is it the look? Um Figure out what it is that's clicking for you because the more specific you get, the easier it's going to be for you to find something similar, right? Yeah. A good example, a show that I watched recently, I'm now obsessed with um, on HBO Max, it's Our Flag Means Death. Uh, But if you say, I love Our Flag Means Death, that could mean that you love shows about pirates, LGBTQ plus crew members, uh, grumpy plus sunshine MLM romance. Maybe you just like a book at sea or a historical comedy. There's so many different layers and wheelhouse items in this show that you, you just like to find exactly what you know oh my god i love this show so much if they don't renew it for the next season i'm gonna walk into the fucking sea um but maybe, there's maybe you know, you're like walking for, into the fucking sea <laughs> maybe like walking into the fucking sea uh but if you love the show and you want to find something like that you know think think like a bookseller think okay well what 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 are the parts of the show that are really really gelling for me yeah yeah, so a lot of book websites post articles featuring lists of books that are similar to buzzy TV shows and movies, right? So it's always mm-hmm. worth, I, I, and Mallory, I know you've probably done this too, to Google, like, what to read after Our Flag Means Death or, or whatever. Yes. Um, and that could lead you to something. There's a lot of websites that do this, um, but you can keep Googling. There's other things you can do. Yeah, so what I do is I hone in on the specific thing that I love. I start looking 
for books that feature it, you know, can combine multiple things if you've got them, uh, you know, to keep the R flag means death example going. You could look, you can start Googling queer novels at sea. Yeah. You know, a lot and of those. you'd be surprised at how many hyper specific books lists there are out there. I actually tested this because the my read alike for R flag means death um, is The Mermaid, the Witch, and the Sea oh, by okay. Maggie Ducoud Hall. And I literally Googled in quotation marks because you got to make sure you put in quotation marks and you got to make sure you do novels instead of just books. I did queer novels at sea, and the first, one of the first things that popped up was Maggie Takuda Hall's *The Mermaid, the Witch, and the Sea*. So it works, folks. Love that. Um, and there are websites that do love to make these particular type articles. If you are just looking for these kind of articles, um, I saw one that Book Riot had recently that was like, if you like this TikTok. You'd like this book. So there are <laughs> websites that do this a lot. Bustle also does a lot of these. So make sure you check out those two websites. And if you find a website that does a lot of them or does one of them, they probably do a lot of them. They probably, like, book websites like to do these kinds of articles. It's a very common thing. Uh, so be sure to check out your book websites for these first and foremost. You can also use social media. You know, find whatever hashtag is being used for the show or for the movie. Uh, it's usually just the title. Uh, and this works best, obviously, with more recent stuff. Like, if you're looking for a read-alike for a movie from 1980 when they did not have hashtags, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, sure. But you know, use the hashtag and post on Twitter or, or somewhere, you know, asking what books you should read that are like the show or the movie. People on the internet, f folks, if you did not know, people on the internet love giving advice and opinions. Ooh, wow. <laughs> for good and wow. for ill. Wow. Um, so <laughs> Shocker. Uh, big, huge news. <laughs> so tap into that fandom, though, because chances are you aren't the first person to go looking for a book that's just like that piece of media, you know, especially ones that are not based on on a book. I know um, mm -hmm. they were, we saw a ton of these articles after Yellow Jackets came out. Mm. A bunch of people were like, you have to read We Ride Upon Sticks by Quanberry, like, which... Yes, you should. Um, you know, so whenever a show comes out and it's buzzy, there's people, uh, people want to talk about um, uh, the books that you should read. People want to keep that going. And especially on Twitter, maybe on, on Reddit. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to use TikTok, but I'm assuming you can do something like that on here. Sure. Uh, also works for video games and other forms of media. Yeah. And lastly, don't forget that some of your favorite shows or movies might be written by an author who, or a writer who also writes books. So you might be able to find dun, dun. someone who has done both. For example, two people we love, Charlie Jane Anders, Samantha Irby, uh, oh, Johnny Sun also writes uh, for TV. Like, so let's say you love BoJack Horseman, you could easily transfer over into a Johnny Sun book. And I actually think that those are perfectly, would go perfectly hand in hand with each other. Same with Samantha Irby. I, so these people are writing your favorite shows. They may also be writing novels, graphic novels, and essay books. So it's worth looking into that to see if some of your favorite show writers also have novels that may not be, like, exactly but the same thing. Like, obviously, Samantha Irby wrote for um, the new Sex and the City show, but then, you know, Samantha Irby's books she are She also worked on, on Shrill, though. And she Shrill. she she, uh, she wrote my favorite episode of Shrill. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I would totally say that if you love Shrill, which is based off of uh, book by Lindy West. You would love Samantha Irby's books. So yeah. this, yeah, this even is though a hot those book are tip. fiction, like they aren't exactly like a one to one, but you'll recognize but that the tone voice. is often the same. Same, yeah, 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 totally, totally. The same with Charlie Jane Anders. Obviously, uh, wrote on uh, Why the Last Man, and obviously Charlie Jane's books are not the same as that show, but they have a lot of the same voice. So it's worth looking into that to see who's writing these shows or who's on the writing staff for these shows. Yeah, so. To recap, look for writers on the show that might have written other books. Use 
fans on social media who want to talk about this thing more than anything else in the world. And more, most importantly, pick out the, the specific thing about the show that you love. And that's what's going to help you find more things like that and let us know we uh i i think that nicole was specifically looking for stuff for severance so maybe at some point we can do a, a read-alike recommendation request for that but nicole if you found uh read-alikes for the show you were looking for let us know we want to hear it and Ooh, i definitely same have folks, some if, for severance i have some for severance i love that show. i haven't i still haven't seen it Ooh, but everyone okay. keeps telling me to watch it mm-hmm. uh, so you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we talk to author Tade thompson we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by one of our favorite sponsors, StoryWorth. And it's almost Father's Day. You know what that means. You might feel like you get you know your father figure better than anyone, but he's got stories that you don't know. The best way to get to know him better is with StoryWorth. But Bria, what is StoryWorth? StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or your father figure connect through sharing stories and memories. And it preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. And each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like what is one of your fondest childhood memories or have you ever feared for your life? You can ask all sorts of questions, things that you find appropriate, things you've always wanted to ask, things you'd like to hear from your dad or your father figure. I got one of these for my mom. My mom got one for her whole family. Mallory's gotten one for Jeremy's mom. They're really cool. They're a great way to get to know these people um, as well as a way to preserve these memories. Y'all really enjoyed this, right, Mallory? Oh yeah, Jeremy's mom loved it, and she mo- she especially loved that she did not have like a uh, uh, restrictive time frame in mm. which to do it. So if your dad is super busy, don't worry. This is not like homework with a week deadline. You have a lot of lot of time, and can, really, your dad will be able to answer these questions at his leisure. We also, uh, my best friend Lauren, who has been on the show a bunch, uh, she got one for her mom for Mother's Day this year. It's just such a great gift, especially you know if you are if your dad is the kind of dad where you're like, I have no idea what to get him. I don't want to get him another tie. He owns every single book about World War II that there is. There's no more presidents that I can buy him biographies of. This is perfect. It's really unique. And one of the reasons that we love it the most is there's no shipping. You don't have to wrap anything. You don't have to go to the post office. And if it's, you know, it's starting to get closer to Father's Day, you're a week away and you realize, oh my gosh, I haven't got my dad anything yet. Boom. This, you can you can have StoryWorth in your dad's inbox in like 15 minutes if you want to. It's so easy to set up. It's so quick. There's just no no, no hassle. And it's such a it's probably the best gift out there, but it has the least amount of hassle with the most amount of thought. Yeah. And at the end, you get a beautiful keepsake book for the whole family. Um, you can keep that in your family for generations because after one year, StoryWorth takes all of these questions and stories that your loved one has been telling you and puts them into a book with photos if you want them, and they send that book to you. It's very, very adorable and great. A nice gift. And your mom, when she got her book, she ended up buying multiple ones, right? Yeah. Because they were so good. Yeah, yeah, she loved them. They're awesome. So if you want to give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come, get StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash glasses. You folks know the code. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash glasses to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash glasses. 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 
Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. <laughs> In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Schreier. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! So here we are with Tade Thompson. Thank you for coming on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. So most important question, what are you reading? Um, so right now I'm reading The Savage Detectives by Roberto Bolano. I am also reading a book called The Embodied Image by Juhani Palasma. And that's more like a book. Of, it's, it's a book of essays about architecture. So that's my boring life. Oh wow! Wow, that's a you have a you have a widespread there. Um, okay, so can you tell us about the Molly Southburn series and the final book in the installment, The Legacy of Molly Southburn? Okay, so the Molly Southburn series is a nice country story about a little girl who grew up on a farm <laughs> and happens to have to kill and kill and kill from a very young age. Um, whenever she bleeds, no matter how slight the bleeding is. Her blood tends to grow copies of herself, and the copies that she grows of herself happen to want to kill her. So she has been taught by her mother and her father to efficiently dispose of anybody she sees who looks like her. And this is the childhood. This is her childhood, and this is her adulthood, and this is how she kind of goes. This is how she goes about her life, and that is Molly Southbourne. And that that was the um, the first book, which was The Murders of Molly Southbourne. And then we had The Survival of Molly Southbourne, which was the further adventures of one of her clones. And now we have The Legacy of Molly Southbourne, which is the final volume in the, in the entire story, which kind of brings everything to a close, all the questions answered, and maybe some degree of peace to... Molly Southbourne? I felt the piece. I, I felt it. I think it was a very it was a very satisfying ending to the series. Yeah, I mean the thing about the thing about the story, the wider story, is that everything that came up is is stuff that I thought about in the beginning anyway. Um initially I had imagined it as a science fiction um novel, but my editor said it would work better as a horror, as a horror novella. So I stripped mm. away everything. In fact, it was a masterclass in deciding what's the difference between science fiction and horror. Um, and so we stripped away everything that might have implied that it was science fiction, and we left everything that could cause terror, unsettled feelings, you know, that sort of thing. And then we ended up with what was what some people called a nasty little novella. In fact, I remember when the first <laughs> novella came out, when the first novella came out, the very first review was a blogger who said it gave him a panic attack. And, <laughs> I, I mean, I could see it. <laughs> but I was kind of, 
So in one, you know, one part of me was like, oh, I'm sorry, this guy got a panic attack. On the other hand, I was like, well, you know, another satisfied customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're we're coming to the books for the panic attacks. That is what that's why yes. we're we're here for this series. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I love the series. Disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So I love it. I've been a fan since the beginning. I love that you started at one place and you actually ended up. You answered a lot of questions, but you explored new characters and went different places throughout the series and i guess my question is in a series like this how far ahead are you planning the entire ending you said you wrote it as a novel were you completely planned for this last one when you started with the first one well no because the way i thought about it i thought so this is my second trilogy right the the the, i I write trilogies in a very inefficient way so what i do is i think about the whole story (laughs) I think about the whole story, and then I ask myself, well, what if people read the first book and they don't want to hear any more of this story? So what I'll do instead, mm-hmm. I'll just write one story and then see how people react to it, and then release the second and third parts of it. It's it's a very inefficient way of doing things. Um, <laughs> I knew the whole story from the start. It's just mm-hmm. that they didn't, you know, thematically, they didn't fit into one book. You know, so there were. If you if you read each volume, you find they have they're, they're different thematically. Each one is different, so it would be. And I I thought about releasing it as one volume to start with, and it, it was, it's just that each part of the book would then have diff, a different theme and a different ending. It just didn't work, so it had to be a novella to start with. And then when the reception for the first one was good, I said okay, fine, I can tell the middle part of the story and see how that's received, mm-hmm. and then finally tell the last part. Um, the last, the last part, Legacy, was actually my. Um, it was my lockdown book, so I wrote ah. three books during the lockdown. This was this was one of them. One of them was a book called Jackdaw, which is coming out in October, and one is a science fiction book called Far from the Light of Heaven, which came out mm-hmm. late last year. So mm-hmm. I was happy with it. You know, as soon as I finished Legacy, I sort of finished writing it, I was happy with it because I got to say everything I wanted to say and I didn't get any ed- editorial pushback in terms of, no, don't say this. So I could say everything I wanted to say and that's why it's all complete. And I think that's why it's satisfying. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And gosh, you had a very busy lockdown. That's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helped, it helped me not think about the horror of the outside world. So I concentrated on the inner horror instead. And that kind of there you go. I think that uh, you know about the third book. I think people will be surprised at who the ultimate bad guy is. Mm -hmm. I think that they'll be surprised at who it is because of because it's someone who was seen as an ally to start with, you know, as the ultimate ally to start with, and because Mm -hmm. her motivation makes sense. You know, it, it actually makes sense why she would or he would, or they would be the way they are against the, you know, against the Molly clones. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Um, We won't spoil too much, but I I think it's really great. People should definitely, if they liked the first one, they have to keep going, because I think it's a very satisfying ending. Um, So your work in general, it tends to focus on the human condition. I think, I, I think of your books as sort of, it's, it's our world, but with this sort of like slight sci-fi bent, like it's or or horror bent it's like a little bit different but you're not writing things that take place on another planet like it's like your things are very your worlds are very grounded because i think you're focused on humanity and what it means to be a human and what would happen if a a human was in this particular situation 
so why are you drawn to this type of science fiction and world building and the focus on the human condition? So it's very true. That's what I'm interested in. It's because I actually, it's the humans, when it comes to fiction, any kind of fiction at all, it's the humans that interest me. Um, it's the humans, mm. I want to know, okay, yes, fine. I like really cool ideas. I like cool worlds. I like cool aliens. I like cool tech. I like cool fairy tales. And actually, Molly Southmond is a kind of dark fairy tale. Um, mm -hmm. I like all of that, but I only like it in as much as it, you know, interfaces with humans. You know, how would a human being feel if this happened? What would happen if a person did this? How would other people see the person? How would the person see other people? Those are, that's the meat of what interests me. Um, you can you can write the most fantastical world building. You could have you could have the strangest possible you know um, strangest possible occurrences. You could have a fantastical world, but if there aren't any humans to bring it home, then I think readers disengage from that. So I think the best way yeah. for readers to engage in something is if there are humans there. You know, so the person, you know, someone for the reader to put themselves into, you know, a proxy for the reader, so to speak, someone that, you know, someone that guides us through this world and through the horror, whether the world be internal, in other words, the psyche of the person or external, you know, there just has to be a person, you know, and there has to be, there have to be people and they have to interact. And it is, it is where that interaction meets that that's the part that interests me. And that's where good dialogue comes from. So, yeah. Yeah, you have great dialogue. That's a great answer. Oh, I like you. that. So um, you have this book coming out in October. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that or what else you're working on? Because you're very prolific. So the book the book coming out in October is called Jackdaw. It is about, um, it's about someone who is trying to write a thesis or a book about the artist um, Francis Bacon. Now, mm. Frank, it, 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 but he becomes haunted by the work of Francis Bacon, you know, in a very real and visceral way. It's uh, it's a very <laughs> it's a very disturbing book, I have to say. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's very disturbing, um, but it's Francis Bacon. I mean, look, Francis Bacon was the his work was the inspiration for the creature in Alien. So, you know, H. Geiger said that he was looking at Francis Bacon's work and that's where he got the design for the, met, you know, for the Xenomorph. So the most terrifying creature in science fiction that, you know, that we have literally came from, from Francis Bacon. So his visions are horrific. And I had to tap into that. So... That's what um, that's what Jack does. I think it's good. It's gonna be like a departure from everything else I've done. But then I, I tend to try different things, you know. So that's Jack does. We out in October, and I can't wait for to see how people react to it. <laughs> More panic attacks, maybe. I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, yes, we'll see. You know, panic attacks, disgust you know, shock, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So all the good stuff. Sure, great. I am excited. I'm going to pre-order that as soon as we hang up, if I can do it. I, um, yeah, I think, I think okay. it might be at Waters. It's, it's, I think it's available for pre-order on Waterstone, something like that. Oh, great, great. Um, okay, final question is, um, what is your reader wheelhouse? Like something that'll make you pick up a book no matter what it is, you see that a book is about this or has this, you're going to read it. So that's a really strange thing. I am a slut when it comes to books. I am completely <laughs> promiscuous. I, look, I, I am completely promiscuous. I can tell you, like, 
what I have, you know, what I have, I have a pile of books to read. So like after okay. I finish with Bolano, I'm going to read this um, James Joyce collection of short stories. Then I'm going to read a book on Robert Altman, which I have oh. piled up here. And then I have a book which is called Arabia and the Arabs, the Bronze Age to the Coming of Islam. So I'm going to read that as well. Um, I read anything. I just go, I, I read it. I go, I boldly go anywhere. There are some writers that I always read their work, though. Um, I think Michael Sisko. I would always read anything that Michael Sisko writes. I always read Karen Lord. Mm-hmm. Whenever, you know, whenever whenever I see a book, you know, by her. I do like Haruki Murakami. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I've pretty much read everything that Ursula Le Guin has ever written, including her essays, because I think she was an intellect that we will, we, we will really miss. I don't think... I don't yeah. think we will see her kind again. Um, yeah. You know, so I, anything anything that has her name on it, and I, I understand there's a biography coming out or being written right now, which I will snap up as soon as it as soon as it comes out. I've even read I've even read her father's anthropological books. You know, wow. And, yeah, no, that, that's you know that's wow. how far down that rabbit hole I've gone. So yeah, I you know I'm a book slut. What can I say? <laughs> A book slot. I'm going to get that yes. on a shirt. That sounds yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so where can uh, listeners find you online and where can they get all all of your books, but definitely the latest in the Molly Southburn series? All right. I'm not online at all. Um, I wow. was, but I wow. kind of I crossed all of that out. Um, it's a massive time sink. It, it, it is. Um, to get done everything I need to get done, I need time and I'm not, you know, I have a family, I've got to write the books, and I've got a day job, I work, I'm a doctor in a hospital, so I I needed the time. So something had to give yes. and it had to be social, it had to be social media. Because I, you, you know, know what, that is, being a doctor is better than being on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. You know, so you can, you can find my books anywhere books are sold, you know, you can find it on the dreaded Amazon, you can find it on Waterstones, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. Um, Got it. and what can I say? Um, there are other projects coming that unfortunately I can't talk about just yet, but you know, there's, there's stuff coming is all I can say. Just stay tuned. Is all <laughs> I can say. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next for you. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Jeff writes in, Hi, Brianne Mallory. I've always been super duper scared of horror movies, but loved hearing the premises of movies like Saw and The Grudge. This October, I've decided to brave and... Oh, this is how... This October, this is how many interview uh, recommendation requests we get, folks. We are very behind. Yeah. We're doing our best. Maybe... Well, it's we're almost in time for next October. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, but Jeff says, I decided to be brave and try reading horror. I've been loving it so far and nothing has scared me much so far. I'm interested in books by Stephen King and Paul Tremblay, but I don't know my own horror threshold. Do you have any tips to help me find out? Do I just brave it out and dive into my best friend's exorcism or, or it? Is there a chili meter equivalent for level of horror that could help me out? If not, I'd be grateful for some recommendations. What freaks me out the most is slow torture and possession. Bria, what should Jeff do and what should Jeff read? So I like that you know, Jeff, what you what scares you. I think that's really important. You know, like Mallory knows that she's scared of snakes. Like other people mm-hmm. are scared of the deep depth of space. So I think in deciding if something is too scary for you, 
Um, it's it's knowing what actually scares you. So if it's slow torture and possession, yeah, there's maybe some books that you were going to want to stay away from. It's funny you like the description to Saw, though, because that is exactly what it's slow, <laughs> slow. Maybe it's fast torture. I don't know. I think book descriptions here are going to be your friend. So if something is... If mm-hmm. something is described as a thriller or creepy, it's probably a little easier on that chili meter than one that is a description of horror or, like, uses words like horrific, terrifying, or frightening. I think paying attention to these words, like, like look through the reviews, maybe a blurb um, is going to be helpful. It's kind of like real estate. You know, you got to kind of read between the lines. Like, if something's <laughs> described as cozy, it means that it's, like, really fucking small. Uh, like, so... <laughs> If if you if if something is like oh it is um, creepy that means it's probably not gonna have slow torture or possession these things that really scare you. But you've read a lot of horror like these these are I mean you've read Jeff had, I, I took it out but oh, Jeff had, sent yeah. us a big list of books that that, that Jeff has, has read so far and it was a lot of horror it was a lot of horror and it was some really scary stuff so I think you could try my best friend's exorcism as you might have guessed from the title. It has a possession storyline in it. I don't think this gives too much away. Um, and I will tell you, it is fucking scary. So if you are looking yep. to dip your toe into fucking scary, something that scares you, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the thing that scares you. And if you can handle that, you can probably handle anything. Um, I also just love recommending other kind of horror. I'm going to recommend for you, um, based on, I, I saw Jeff's list, and I feel like he hadn't done any uh, space horror and so I thought maybe he could dip, dip his toe into that. So I was going to recommend The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling, which is like a about a woman who goes to a planet um, and goes down. So it's kind of like spelunking meets tremors, uh, like where there's like a monster, but also there are some ghosty things in it. It has a lot of scary stuff in it, but it's totally different kind of stuff than what was on Jeff's list. Like there was, it was, uh, there was no sci-fi horror, if I remember correctly, on, on Jeff's list at all, which I think you should dip your right. toe into. Uh, what do you have for Jeff? Should, how's Jeff going to figure out what scares him, what to do? on this chili meter. Oh, quick story. I, I had a friend recently who asked me for some horror recommendations and I started, I wrote out all these recommendations in their chili meter rating and I sent it and then I was like, oh my God, I have to explain the chili meter. <laughs> he probably has no idea what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, have you eaten any, any Mexican food restaurant, you're going to have a chili meter on there, Or right? Indian. I always think of it as like uh, the Indian yeah. restaurant and yeah, they have Thai like, food. it's Thai always food like, has it too. Thai, yeah, there's a lot of different food places and it's like one, two, three, or four chilies. Yeah. Um, and I had to, had to explain all of it. Um, but anyway, I guess the big question here, Jeff, the most important thing is, do you want to be scared? Mm. Like, are you trying to get, are you, do you want some shit your pants Yeah, horror? I couldn't tell or this from the tr- email either. It, it's not clear whether yeah. or not he want. I feel like he does want to know what scares, how far he can go, but it's not clear, like, yeah. Yeah, do you want to, like, stay on the threshold? Do you want to put, like, sleep with the lights on? Like, how how far do, do you, you want to go? Because honestly. <laughs> Do you, Jeff, the big question here is do you want to shit your pants? <laughs> and we mean in a fun way, you know, like a fun, a fun. Like, you know, in the, in, the, in the fun way to shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> We're very scientific here on yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Um, because so it's because it's tough to Google how scary certain books are without getting spoilers and 
so much, like Bria said, so much scariness is subjective. You know, I would say after reading the list of books that you sent us, you are firmly in the world of reading horror. Some of those books are pretty scary. I think you should just jump right in and read whatever you are interested in. Two of the books that were on the list were Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones and The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Those are scary fucking books. Agreed. You know, if you can take that, you can absolutely handle something by Paul Tremblay or Stephen King. Um, If you want to be, if you do, if you, Jeff, you want to shit your pants. If you are ready, if you're wearing (laughs) pants that you don't like and in possession freaks you out and you want to try Paul Tremblay, I want to recommend one of me and Bria's favorite books, A Head Full of Ghosts. It's a possession exorcism novel that Paul wrote. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I think it's a perfect novel. Um, it's my f- favorite Paul Tremblay novel, which is saying a lot because, you know, we we love all of his books so much and it's extremely scary. But after reading all this stuff, I think you can handle it. And if not, the good thing is if you get too scared, you can th- just throw that book right out the window and now you know the threshold for you. Now yeah. you know what's too scary. Yeah, that's probably you know, true. I think that's the, really the, the only way you can find out is, is by pooping well, your pants. You I know? guess think about like, I don't know though, because like, okay, the chili writing at a restaurant, I feel like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, one chili. Don't go wilder than one chili. Because when I was a kid, I was always scared I was going to eat something too spicy. Now I go for chilies. Like, I can take the spiciest food on the planet. Um, But you have to build to that. I feel like I never was like, it wasn't like one day I woke up as an eight-year-old and was like, four chilies, please. Like, it's like, no, I went from one chili. <laughs> Set my mouth on fire, As please. I got a little bit older, I was like, two chilies. So I can see why he wants to, like, dip his foot into, should we should we give him, like, a something between... Although you're right, I think I don't I think know only good he, if Indians he's already so wrote the scary. only good Indians. Yeah, yeah, and Haunting of Hill House is terrifying. Like, I, I only just good feel Indians like is is I would say a three chili rating. Yeah, for sure. I think Jeff, if you you've read all these books and you say you're saying you're like you're looking to get up to your threshold and you're getting your toe in the pond, I think you're in the pond. I think, I think you're there. I think he's three stars in. If he wants to go four, then maybe go head full of ghost or my best best friend's exorcism. Yeah, but I, I, I think after reading all of these, I think we both agree that you're ready for those four chili books. Guys, cry the four chilies, and if it's too much, go back down to three chilies, you know? Yeah. You can always go you back know, down. I think, and depending, I think, look, every I think Jeff is ready has... to shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. Join you us. Yeah, which sometimes <laughs> happens when you eat too much spicy food, too. So this is a great metaphor. <laughs> this is a really great metaphor, honestly. <laughs> what? I don't know why this comes up so often on this show. Listen, we're not scared to go blue on this show. We'll do it. This is the only book show that goes blue, okay? And we take great pride in that. The only book show that talks at length about shitting yourself. We take great pride in our metaphors and our shit jokes. (laughs) Well... So, Jeff, what we're saying is you're already there. We think you can take My Best Friend's Exorcism and Paul Tremblay or a Stephen King book. And if you get too scared, you can back down. But we think you're ready. Let us know, please, Jeff, if you when you read these books, write in and, and let us know what you thought of them. Because I'm very I'm very invested in Jeff's horror journey now. Yeah. You don't need it. If you poop yourself, you don't need to tell us. But <laughs> we don't we don't need that information. But we are very interested to see where you are on your horror journey. And folks, if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your recommendation request or both, uh, 
send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We love, we love getting them. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to look hot and, and support us and help us pay our bills, you can buy Reading Glasses merch in our amazing Void merch store. There are shirts of all different sizes and colors and designs. There's tote bags, pillows, journals, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. There's a link in the show notes to that. And you can support us for free by rating and reviewing us on the podcast listening app of your choice over on Apple Podcasts. It'll take you 30 seconds. You have to do it on your phone. All you have to do is search for Reading Glasses in the search bar. Go to our actual podcast page and scroll down till you see a place to put in a rating and a review. It'll take you, again, less than 30 seconds. Maybe you're in the bathroom at work. Maybe you're just you're looking for something to keep you occupied for a minute. It's the perfect, perfect thing to do. It really helps us widen our audience, reach more listeners, get more sponsors, and just look like a really fancy show. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.